Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You have to be really careful. You don't diversify your offering too much because, you know, focus in, is really what allows you to build momentum and scale. And at a certain point, that the focus needs to stay in your own lane. Mm-hmm. And if you get too outside of your lane, then it that lack of focus adds a lot of drag to the organization. It adds drag to your marketing message, your clarity of messaging for your sales funnels and everything. And so uh, it was just the right time for me to say, all right, you guys, you guys got this. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the Nice Podcast, all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from Future Forth, where we help fast growing technology companies retain talent and improve culture so you have happier, more connected teams. Today, I am speaking with social entrepreneur and founder of Abenity, Brian Rowland. Brian, welcome to Nice. Hey, Dave. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. So I always like to begin these things by asking, what is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? The nicest thing. Okay, so I found myself with a herniated disc. Oh, man. On February 1st, Mm -hmm. which is a a while ago now when we're recording this. But it was miserable, and I had to rely on everyone for everything. And I am... One of the biggest coffee snobs you will meet, I, <laughs> I, I weigh my beans to the gram, I weigh my water to the gram, and for a full 10-day period, I was unable to stand for more than 90 seconds to make my own coffee. Oh, and so I, I had taught my 5-year-old, my 11-year-old, um, everyone <laughs> – how to do pour over coffee for me every morning. Uh, so, that, and that was the nicest thing that they could have done for me in that, that hard time. That's great. I mean, it's not great that you uh, slipped a disc. I, I, uh, 
I am uh, empathetic there for sure. I've got my own back woes. Um, luckily, I'm on sort of the the other end. Well, I'm getting there, but I'm I'm going to PT right now and uh, for my back. So, yes, uh, we could do a whole podcast on that. I, I assume. <laughs> oh man, yeah, back pain sucks. There's no uh, no way around it. In fact, uh, yeah, no no fun at all. Uh, where did the Where did the coffee uh, snobbery come from? <laughs> you know, it's it. It, it lands in remote work, which I hope is what we get to talk about some today. Yes. And I was uh, started a fully remote team in 2006, long before it was cool. Mm-hmm. And and I was just cranking a, co- uh, a pot of coffee every day and sitting, staring at my computer. Right. Which, by the way, for all you remote workers, the best thing that anybody can guess what got my back in trouble was too long sitting in at the laptop there's a decade of of staring at the laptop so seriously yes. get get up and move around every couple hours um very good you, advice you know. <laughs> and uh so i i was like i just burned through eight hours without looking up from my laptop and because i'm getting stuff done and i'm building a company and and it just i was like i what is what is my motivator to get me I'm like I'm not gonna. I'm not a workout guy, really. I don't do great in that routine, and so coffee was my motivator. It's like I wanted my coffee. So if I got, I threw away the drip coffee machine. And I was like, if I want a cup of coffee, I'm going to only have manual methods, and they will take me ten minutes to weigh and do them all. Hmm. And um, I and uh, I cut out the cream and sugar in the process and lost some weight, and it was just a good thing. And I've I've done it ever since. Um, and uh, but now I'm terrible. I'm roasting my own coffee beans. Um, I I've got 17 different manual brew methods that kind of float around here in my <laughs> office. It's I'm a it's a problem. You are yeah. You're not kidding around, <laughs> man. If you're roasting your own beans, like that's uh, that's next level beyond next level. So uh, kudos to you for doing that. That's that's great. But I I, I also you know I, I when I speak to people about this stuff, you know one one of the things is like staying staying hydrated. Now I do drink a lot of coffee too. But to your point, I mean even just drinking water, the 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 process of like getting up from your desk and going to get the water or the coffee and drinking as much of it as you can throughout the day so that you have to use the bathroom more often, which also gets you stretching and getting, gets you up. So it's kind of a, a win-win all around us, assuming you, you maybe cut down the caffeine in the latter half of the day. So you're not up all night, but <laughs> yeah, seven o'clock's my cutoff. So yeah. it's, I, uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm atypical in that area. Yeah. But I also, I also only, I'll have two cups in the morning and then I'll have like two cups at four o'clock typically. Okay. Kind of. So I don't go crazy, but, um, and I love all these emerging articles that keep coming out about how healthy coffee is and how good it is for you. And so I'm just like, I send it to all the people that are naysayers. <laughs> coffee. I think coffee is like red wine that way. Like you hear these, it kind of go like ebbs and right. flows, right? There's stories where That's it's right. like so healthy for you. And then, and then there, there's like a window of, yeah. of not so healthy, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm of the healthy camp with you too. So <laughs> I'm right there with you as I stare down at my cup of coffee waiting for me on my desk. Um, 
So Abenity offers employee and member discounts pro and discount programs for companies and, and associations, which I think is, is a great thing. And you co-founded it with your brother, Mark. Um, I love the fact that you bootstrapped the company to millions of members and, and nearly 10 million in annual revenue, which is huge. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Tell me a little bit about, about that early, the early days of this, especially as you're saying, you know, kind of having a, a remote team back in 2006. Yeah, I went to Belmont University there in Nashville mm -hmm. and into the music industry, kind of found I was too entrepreneurial for the music industry. So I took an outside sales job and I stumbled on kind of this really interesting niche where companies are offering perks and discounts to their employees as a benefit. They really had trouble communicating those perks and discounts to their people mm -hmm. and managing them. Um, and of course, companies, uh, it was this little niche was nobody's full time job. It fit into the HR kind of capacity, but it always got shuffled around between, uh, between people there. It, it wasn't a budget item like um, insurance or benefits or rewards or wellness or any of these other kind of total rewards. Um, areas. And so my brother and I built a platform for some of the companies that I was working with on the cell phone discounts side of things and said, just, Hey, if we built a platform that managed your merchant relationships and the merchants offering your employees discounts, uh, would that help you? Hmm. Um, and so we built the platform, we branded it for the company. Um, we, um, started, um, making it mobile friendly we got into building our own digital ticketing platform so that we could wholesale discounts um, on ticketing items like movie theaters and Six Flags and SeaWorld and Disney parks. And and uh, we've just been going from there. And we really flipped the model in the space where the typical model, especially in the insurance HR world, is to uh, make your money to offer things for free and make your money off the insurance premiums uh, or the advertising dollars that you make. Hmm. And we just didn't feel like that put us on the same side of the table as the client. And so we wanted to sit with the HR person and to focus on, you know, let's come up with things that actually engage your people. So we um, have a low monthly managed service fee. That's a flat fee. It's not based on the number of people. And that covers kind of the delivery of our, our SaaS platform. And, we go out there and find the best discounts on everything from pizza and the zoo to movie tickets, oil changes, car rentals, hotels, and um, doing that nationwide for hundreds of customers now, including um, big companies like MasterCard and HCA Healthcare and um, Chick-fil-A and um, on and on down the list. So it's been a fun, fun journey. What are some of the most popular uh, perks or benefits from the uh, from from what you have to offer from the menu? Yeah. Entertainment and travel benefits are always the winners because they're top of mind for people hmm. um, when they're they, when they're planning to do something. So they're like, "Gosh, let's go do this," and then they're like, "Oh yeah, I've got discounts through my company." And so they get their hotels, their car rentals. We've got discounts on flights right now. Um, they get theme park discounts. You know, planning to go to the movies. They get their movie tickets, which are digital, so they just order them and get them emailed. Um, we have great discounts on everyday things like 15% off um, your maintenance and service at every Firestone and Jiffy Lube and um, Office Depot and all these kind of things. Um, 
But um, those are the, you know, we've got free chips and a drink at Quiznos. But these are the things that people forget to, to look for as they're going um, through the day. And uh, I'm guilty of that, too. And that's one of the challenges we try to overcome is how do we catch people in those everyday savings moments that they're possibly missing to um, offer more value. Of course, inflation is um, something that helps bring savings top to mind for people. Um, as the perks industry is always kind of uh, going between providing uh, em- employees ac- accessibility to special things and convenience, you know, when times are really good, um, special access and convenience are the kind of perks that people want. And when times are harder, um, like just, you know, let's, how far can we stretch the dollar? Because mm-hmm. the dollar's not going as far as it used to, and the discounts and savings are really important then, too. Are these relationships that you establish with the, the, let's say the car rental company, for example, or are they mm-hmm. through like an affiliate relationship and then you? No, for the most part, we're going, we're working directly with the merchants. Yeah. Um, th- there are some merchants that say, Hey, we outsource this to like an affiliate kind of platform. But when we work with the affiliates, we negotiate our, our own offers directly. Um, our, our goal is to have discounts that are better than market rate, something you can't get from the general public. Um, you know, we're really proud that for our, everything we carry in our store, we're watching the discounts really closely to make sure we're doing deeper discounts than AAA and AARP offer mm-hmm. their members. And so there, yeah, there's a lot of um, private market value that's available when you subscribe your company for, for our perks programs. And I read how you're sort of more of the idea guy and that your brother is more of the, the software developer side. Uh, tell me a little bit about that because also, you know, I think I read somewhere that you, you had mentioned that you, you get a new idea every like 15 months or so. And I'm kind of that way too, where, but it's my own business, like future fourth is my business. So, yep. you know, as often as I go squirrel, uh, <laughs> I've got to like, no, stop looking at the squirrels, Dave and focus. Yeah. So how do you like resist the temptation of going out and like, uh, you know, sorry, brother, got to run out and start something new. Sorry, Mark. Uh, tell me about yeah. that. Like, how do you stay focused? Well, I fired myself. Well, yeah. <laughs> after 13 years. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the end of the story. Yeah. The, um, I, you know, the last two and a half years for me has been a journey of, uh, it's, I hired a CEO and a president and COO to run the business, mm-hmm. um, because the business had just scaled to the point where it was no longer, um, and, and it no longer needed the entrepreneurial direction and drive and vision that it did in those entry years. Mm. And, um, I just, you know, I started driving the team crazy and, um, the team started doing, in my mind, being asking for ridiculous things like, well, you know, could you could you bring an agenda to our all team meetings so that we kind of know what to expect and mm-hmm. we know we know what order we're going to go in? And I'm like, you want what? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we're just you mean you don't like the whole fluid kind of as we go like, well, it's fine, but it'd be better. <laughs> and then I'm like. Um, okay, well, so I'm not going to create an agenda because I don't know what we're going to talk about till we get there. <laughs> right, so, right. I was like, I need to find somebody who knows how to do an agenda. And then they're like, well, can we, could we start doing kind of performance reviews so I know 
how we're doing hmm. and how I'm doing and what I can improve on. And I was like, I thought we kind of talked as we went. He's like, yeah, but you know, it'd be really nice if we had that and we could, I was like, so you want like formal sit down structured feedback? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I was like, that sounds terrible to me. I don't want anybody to sit me down and t- and line by line go through and tell me how I'm doing at something. I was like that. I don't reflect that at all. And so the team is just asking for these things that are not my strengths and not my wheelhouse, not my passion centers. And so it just became evident that, you know, that this, this group of awesome people are ready for um, the next level of leadership. Um, prior to that, yes, it was, um, in the early years, it was, here is, here's the next thing we can do. And generally these ideas come from interacting with our clients. It's like, okay, well, our clients need a better way to organize their discounts. Um, that's like the first idea. So we build a platform. Oh gosh, our clients need a better way to interact with their merchants. So the merchants aren't just showing up in their inbox and, um, we need to empower the merchants to take care of their own updates and changes. So that's kind of the next thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, we need to, we could offer deeper discounts on these theme parks if we built the ticketing platform ourselves and did it directly. Mm. Oh, the, you know, mobile web. It'd be great if this was friendly on mobile. It's like, oh, native web. It'd be great if we had an iPhone and an Android app. And so, you know, we just curated, um, and we, we, my brother's a software guy and I'm the idea guy. So it's like, we, we just go through these cycles of content and connecting. And I think that is the entrepreneurial journey for me is it's just been cycles of content and connecting. Um, the, the problem is after, you know, a decade of doing that, the content that we built a decade earlier needs to be updated and modernized. And so uh, we can't handle the speed of, of innovation that we were doing before and kind of our, um, you, you know, the way we did it. Cause we're, we, we're still run a small software team and, and we're not looking for outside funding. We like the independence and flexibility to do what we want to do by not having outside, um, financial, uh, influences. And, mm-hmm. um, and we continue to be able to scale up with our, our own growth. And so it's been, it's been an exciting journey of that, but we, we did hit a point where one of my ideas, uh, was financially feasible. We had the money to do it, but it was just off mission for the team. Um, and that was kind of the last straw where it was just like, you know, let's, the team is ready to focus in and down and, and grow the core that we've built. Uh, and you have to be really careful. You don't diversify your offering too much because, you know, focus in is really what allows you to build momentum and scale and at a certain point that the focus needs to kind of stay within, stay in your own lane. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, if you get too outside of your lane, then, um, it, that lack of focus adds a lot of drag to the organization. It adds drag to your marketing message, your clarity of, uh, messaging for your sales funnels and everything. And so, uh, it was just the right time for me to say, all right, you guys, you guys got this. And, um, uh, today I get to do fun stuff like talk to you while everybody else is carrying the mission forward. So it's, it works great. Yeah, no, I, I think it was a, uh, you know, a, a bold move for sure. And one that, uh, that obviously was important and was well-timed. How big is your team? We got, we got 30 people. Okay. And we're spread out. Everybody's remote and mm. we're spread out about across 10 States. So has, um, 
you know, excluding hiring. And maybe this wasn't something you were following too much um, based on sort of the, the metrical met, metrical. That's a new word I just came up with <laughs> metrical like hashtag metrical folks. Um, uh, but you mentioned, you know, for 13 years, you're, you're CEO. I'm, I'm curious what that retention was like with team members versus since then. But then again, I mean, I guess it's challenging because you're talking since 2019 and you got this little pesky pandemic, uh, uh, in the middle of it, but yeah, yeah. just be curious because yeah, we've, yeah. we haven't lost anybody through COVID. Mm, that's um, great. And, uh, so we've just added, so, I mean, I think we've probably grown added 10%, um, you know, so we've added two or three roles, um, through the COVID period for, for us, COVID redirected our focus, um, uh, which is kind of the nice thing about representing the kind of consumer landscape in the marketplace is, you know, people were not looking for movie tickets and theme park tickets in the summer of 2020 uh, or 2021 for that matter. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, but they, they were looking for staycation options. They were looking for things they can do from home. They were looking for food delivery services. Um, And so really we just shifted the the, the merchants that we, partnered with to deliver the value that our, our clients were looking for, for their people. Um, and so that's, that's worked out really well. Um, I, I'm still kind of, you know, I'm still in the founder role. Uh, we have a really structured social mission, um, at our, at our company mm-hmm. and where we we're sponsoring kids with every client that we get through an organization called, um, world vision. And so we're, I'm doing regular updates kind of on how those, um, our, our purpose-driven efforts are going. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm still making trips and to see people and, and stuff, but definitely just out of the day to day. And, um, the team has passed the learning curve with me out of the day to day. So, you know, I, I got briefed yesterday by something that's been going on for a month that's under control, but normally I would have heard about it the day of. So, yeah. yeah. And it's weird. That's really weird, but it's, um, it's also pretty great. What's a, what's an early lesson of leadership that you learned? You know, I, that's a, that's a great, a great question. Um, I think what I always like to say is just show up. Uh, it's so much comes from just showing up and being present and, um, listening to what's going on. Um, you know, and, and from like a sales mentality, most entrepreneurs in the early days are in sales mentality. So I like to say, just kick the bushes and see what comes out. That's your job as a salesperson. Hmm. Sale, sales is scary and overwhelming to a lot of people and it's uncomfortable. I was like, look, you're, you're looking for the people who are looking for you. So, you know, your job's just to kick the bushes to see what runs out. Um, you know, if it runs away, you know, let it run away. You're not looking for people who aren't looking for you. Mm. Um, and so, you, you know, a lot of that is just, um, doing the hard work and, um, showing up. Yeah. it's great advice. You, you talked about, you know, just, just showing up and the fact that, that, you know, Abenity has been, uh, remote since day one, right? You said, yep. So tell yeah, me, we- tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. And, and showing up digit like remotely. Right. 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 Well, we, 
it wasn't like a grand strategy. It was, I was in Nashville working a full-time job. My brother was earning his master's degree in California. We collaborated on this idea for Abenity and we started getting customers and there was no reason for us to, it was working just with phone calls and emails and, um, we weren't even video chatting for the longest time. It wasn't necessary. Hmm. Um, we, we, in the early days, we didn't even have, I mean, I remember when we got instant messenger kind of capabilities before Slack, um, you know, we were just using the phone and, and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, the task management platform is probably what was the first most critical piece to add into the mix was, um, that like uh, we use a sauna uh, for that platform. Mm-hmm. And then, and then our third employee was somebody we, we really loved and had been working with a long time already on the side and trusted. And she was, uh, moving out to Virginia. And so I'm like, well, we're not going to say there's no reason to not work with her cause she's in Virginia. So we added her in Virginia and she's like, I've got a sister who's in college. that's really, you know, would be great to help me with X, Y, and Z. And she's in Florida. So we're like, great, do that. So, we started, um, and and really, we have um, we've kind of refined the art of remote recruiting to the point that we're pretty confident and comfortable um, only looking for candidates for our company within a one or two degrees separation of an existing team member. Um, we, you know, protecting your culture and having a culture fit, especially when you're fully remote is very critical. And so, um, people who like, who are like, or who actually like the people that are already at your company are typically, we found a really great fit for jumping in and joining the company where we are. And, and so that, um, that's, you know, third, uh, almost whatever it is now, 13 plus years later, we're, we're still, when we have a position available, we don't throw it out on market. Um, if it takes, a month or two longer to find the right person through our current network of people, you know, we found that that's what works. And we, we've tried throwing it out there and getting somebody not connected with us and they last for a few months. And, and then there's just not enough there. Um, you know, a lot of that is when you know someone already, or they know you, you have this built in trust and respect at mm-hmm. the foundation. They, they kind of, and then there's this built in accountability that they want to do well for the company because you know, they, they want their friend or, um, that they know who works there already to, they want to maintain that relationship with that friend as well. So that's, that's been helpful. Yeah. That's a great point about maybe not advertising open positions, but rather hiring from within, from, from your own networks. Tell me a little bit about, about that, actually that topic, um, the topic of my, my first book, new business networking, all about, uh, growing your networks. How, how do you all, uh, view growing your networks. Obviously that's an important thing because if your networks are, are stagnant, then that talent pool is probably pretty stagnant too. So tell me about, or is that something you all think about doing? Is it something you're working on? Uh, you know, my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class, he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. 
I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, the the our position to be able to say, you know, it's really easy to, and it's kind of fun to say, hey, well, you know, just hire people that are one or two degrees away from, from an existing person it's like well that doesn't work for the company who's like yeah i need to hire like 50 people this month um right right so and there's plenty of companies that are in that range so you know being a software platform we're able to scale a lot of business with um, fewer labor resources so it, it works for us so it's not for everyone now as you go um it's pretty critical just to be paying attention to the people around you. And um, we've pretty much always got a bench of candidates that we're ready to circle back to when the business is ready for as a position. Now, Hmm. as you get, as you get, you know, the more mature your organization gets, uh, you end up specializing everywhere in every role, which is why I found myself without a job because you know, I was the entrepreneur is the art, uh, as has the art of doing everything figured out without being very specialized in any specific area. Right. And so, so, um, you know, when it was time to specialize, I was like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing for me really to do besides be the chief evangelist. And I'm good with that. Uh, so you, when you're specializing your roles, you, it takes a little longer to find the right kind of person within your existing network. Um, we've, we just found, which is all the more reason why we've found it's um, important to uh, take extra time and kind of keep a bench of folks on the side. Um, is there's also plenty of recruiting opportunities. If you're fully remote, fully remote is very desirable now um, in many ways. Um, and so there's quite a bit of opportunities that, you know, for, for you uh, to recruit people and other companies that have similar cultures to your company um, and um, just kind of be reaching out to those companies um, in the midst and uh, really keeping culture structured in the center is the best way that we found a network for people that are good long-term candidates and um, retention is never, hasn't been a problem for us with, with that model. But again, it's, it is unique to every company. Yeah. I think it's a good point and it's an interesting perspective because what I'm convinced of is that in most cases, and I think you're an exception to this, but in most cases for a fast growing company, especially you need to have your team not in house all of the time. That's unrealistic these days. Um, but either, you know, hopefully at a hybrid sort of model where you're working together the same days of the week in the same office, or 
you are at least if you're fully remote and distributed, then you're at least coming together in person several times a year, whether that's why I do like a lot of workshops and guest speaking, like keynotes at, at corporate events, because it's about bringing the team together in person so that you can, you know, do an offsite or a retreat and uh, bring in some guest speakers and training, but also spend time just hanging out and getting to know one another because without those relationships in place, then there's no affinity to the brand, to the company itself. And so if somebody waves a, a higher paycheck with better benefits, then it's easy to jump ship if you don't have any affinity to that company specifically that you work with. And I believe a lot of this comes from the relationships you have with your colleagues. Um, now, to your point and what you're talking about, well, first of all, you know, at 30 people, you're not necessarily a fast growing company in that regard, but you also hire from your own personal pools of people. So you, you already have these relationships. So it's, it's harder if you're already friends with, let's say you and Mark, it would be a lot harder, not harder necessarily, but, but you know, you would be less likely to jump ship, uh, you know, in that, in that case, because you have these relationships. So it's an interesting sort of take on it. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said too. I, you know, some of the most disappointing situations, um, for us with people have come from the people we were hiring the people we were the closest to, to begin with. So I'm not sure that I would recommend, you know, hiring your best man for, mm. uh, for your company. It's, um, which kind of goes to what I was going to say next is, uh, I, um, you know, 2020, uh, really accelerated everyone's comfort zone with, you know, remote technology, uh, for collaborating and communicating, um, before, before 2020, you know, can you imagine like asking somebody outside of your company to do a video meeting and turn their camera on? Like if they didn't, it'd be like so uncomfortable. Yeah. I offered, I offered it online, like, uh, like a kind of virtual coaching thing. And I actually explained video conferencing, uh, and what that was in the description rather than just like a zoom call, you know, oh, like now, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and today it's the opposite. Everybody shows up with your camera on and I'm very much, um, you know, have a specific kind of framework for when to use the camera and when not to. And, um, I, I think the use of the camera too much is very disruptive for in a lot of reasons. So, um, you know, now it's like uncomfortable to be the guy that leaves the camera off. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, um, but, but I was also going to say, you know, uh, 2020 really gave a false positive for everyone to remote work. And so that has forced a lot of people into hybrid work. And I think hybrid work is, you know, um, uh, is a breeding ground for just a toxic work culture. There's Mm. really no road for hybrid work um, in my book, um, unless you are a fortune 100 company with, uh, with where your teams are, are very um, distributed. So you, you only need to know your managers and your ops support and service support and sales support people. Um, and, uh, you know, you can go into a big office when you want, but you know, there's thousands and thousands of people in the company. So you're just not, you, you go into it knowing you're not going to know everybody Hmm. and you go into it knowing not everybody's going to be treated the same. 
Um, and that's okay. Right. Um, this has always worked out well, um, for outside salespeople and accountants. Um, no accountant has ever looked at an outside salesperson and been like, I sure wish I could just work outside of the office and go knock on doors and talk to strangers. It's like, no, they're the introverts of introverts. They're like, I will sit alone in a room in an office building downtown as long as every single day, as long as I don't have to go out and talk to somebody I don't know and cold call on people. Hmm. And the outside sales guys are the exact opposite. They're like, I will talk to strangers all day long and I hate calling on people and knocking on doors, but I'll do it all day long as long as I don't have to drive downtown and sit in an office by myself all the time. Hmm. And so this leads to healthy hybrid work roles. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, that structure is accessible in these very, very large companies, small companies, smaller companies. And I mean, small, like, anybody less than 10,000 employees is small in this scenario. Hybrid work just opens the door for um, discontent, comparison, um, resentment, divisiveness. Uh, you know, think about the, you're in a hybrid work environment and you got a meeting of 10 people and eight of the people took the time to come into the office and sit down around the table um, and two people decided it just wasn't convenient for them today to do that. And so the eight people had to figure out how to set up that little owl thing in the middle, mm. make sure the audio is working, wait for them to pop in, um, endure the disruptions that happen from the technology, endure the disruptions that happen by having the people in a different environment, whether they're in a loud coffee shop or have kids running around in the background, uh, ignore the fact that they're dressed more formally because they're in the office the people at home are dressed more informally. It's going to breed resentment and division. What, um, what are your thoughts in hybrid work where, because in my mind, when I advise companies on, on, and we're talking hybrid specifically, the key thing with hybrid is that like you choose the days, let's say it's Tuesday through Thursday. That's often the case. Mm -hmm. So it's Tuesdays through Thursdays, you work in the office. So you're expected to yeah. be in the office. Um, I, I think it's, I think that is what it needs. I think that's a step in the right direction, yeah. but here's the, here's the deal. Corporate is now keeping a building operational with all the fixed costs that go along with that. Mm. Somebody, somebody has to be at the building to make sure it's going to be secure or accessible or whatever. So who's going to draw the short end of the stick to make sure the mail doesn't pile up outside of the door or something happens. And it's, um, or so it's, it's just, um, you know, it's a step in the right direction, but there's just so much wasted cost and wasted time in uh, making that support, doing that just for the support of people to be flexible. Um, I don't, again, if you're a massive, large company, you've got the infrastructure and the people to have the building maintenance people that keep things open and going and secure and operational. But if you're a smaller company, it's like, you know, where's the value in that? Um, and so I, I, I just don't see it. I don't think hybrid work is going away. Uh, so I think that, yes, those are the things you do to make it as successful as possible. I think you're leaving a lot of relational and cultural opportunity on the table by watering down what you're doing and adding the complexity of hybrid. Um, I, I very much think going all remote 
is is a good thing, but it's really best if you're starting from scratch with that and working yeah. your way working your way up. Um, it's hard to convert over to that. Um, the and then you, you know because I was going to say people got this false positive for remote work in 2020 um, because of because of something that I found is really important in in our business and that is really we've built this social mission around our product which has given our team something that we're all excited about we're all passionate about we're fighting extreme poverty and uh, through world vision in Senegal Africa and that has created meaningful work for our team and when you have multiple people that care about the same thing that starts aligning your culture um, and when your culture is aligned, you start having a shared purpose. Um, and then you start being able to craft your KPIs and your metrics around these purpose-driven initiatives. And ultimately, you end up building this community at work that is uh, that the venue of work has nothing to do with. It doesn't matter if you're where you're working from. Um, and for us, that's been really good. Now, uh, 2020 created this same environment without people realizing it. Hmm. Everybody rushed home to work from home to fight for a cause. And they were all fighting for the same cause. In this case, they were all fighting against this invisible enemy. They were rallying together to make it work, to do what they had to, to be flexible, to show grace, to get there. And, and, you know, they, they built community around this nasty 2020 scenario with their merchants and their suppliers and, and their their staff and their managers, uh, they got to know each other at a deeper level because they're seeing each other in their personal environments. They were probably meeting spouses and talking about kids more than they ever had before. It just created this awesome environment. But as the threat that 2020 posed to us dissipated, um, that purpose went away and that bridge was no longer there. And so you just had a lot of people left on little islands uh, alone at work. And that became um, a big cultural challenge for companies, which is what led them to say, okay, well, we need to do hybrid or we need to reel them back in Um, because they never replaced that purpose that they had before with something else that brought them back together around some around a cause that was outside of their product and service. Because the product and service and the company is always going to let you down. There's always going to be something that happens that's disappointing. So you, you need your purpose and your cause to be outside of yourself and outside of your brand. And this is where social entrepreneurship becomes an exciting topic for me and mm-hmm. building companies around something bigger. So I, I remember reading how researchers found that loneliness is just as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so loneliness, you know, it very much is an epidemic in this country and, and probably beyond. And, and certainly I felt it too, even though I've been working on my own for 10 years, um, but, but I, for some reason I felt it much more during, well, not for some reason, for obvious reasons during, during the pandemic sort of peak pandemic. Um, what are your thoughts on, on managing a remote team, keeping in mind that not everybody is an introvert perhaps, and, you know, people are extra, no. you know, I, I often joke, I'm extroverted. My wife's introverted. My son is more introverted. My daughter's more extroverted, but I often joke mm-hmm. that like 
both my kids are teenagers. So, you know, it doesn't really matter either way. They don't want to talk to me. So, <laughs> so, so I joke that like, and I've said it here on the show before where, you know, my family gets home, my wife's a school teacher and introverted. So she's ready to like close the door mm-hmm. in the bedroom. Don't talk to me for a couple hours. I need some downtime with all due respect and love. And then my kids are like door, door, close, close. So everybody gets home. I'm like a dog, like, <laughs> like ready for every, I'm ready to play. And everybody's like door, door, door. And then I'm yeah. stuck with the dog again, like before. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on yeah. sort of this working as an introvert or working as an extrovert or, or dealing with loneliness when you're working mm-hmm. remotely? Yeah, that's, this is a, this is a key component of building your healthy remote team. We really have it down to a science on our side around, uh, around this, this topic. we, we have a very specific. We, we're really into the DISC personality assessment. Yep. Um, and we have a range of results on the DISNC that we know work for remote work. Um, the people that did not exceed in fully remote work all fit outside of these ranges. Um, we we know some conditions that um, we you know we work we people with the wrong disc profile. Um, it's not that they don't get to work with us. We'll, we, we just know how to manage them differently or how to set them up for success. Um, really in our case, there's two people that, um, fall outside of these healthy ranges. Um, and that's myself and my, my lead salesperson. Hmm. Um, it works for me because I have the, as the owner, I have the flexibility and autonomy to do what I feel led to do in the moment and not have to report to anybody. And, um, that gives me what I need to be successful alone at work. Um, it works for my lead salesperson cause she's just on the phone with people all day long. And so she's just getting to connect and she's happier than ever that people are using video finally. Um, yeah. but for the, for the most part, yeah, we have a whole lot of introverted perfectionist profile people working on our team. Uh, and that's a part of the process. And if you're not ready to be that disciplined about your kind of hiring practices, then yes, you're going to have a lot of, a, a lot of kind of issues. I mean, people get lonely whether they're introverted or not. Oh yeah, so, for sure. For sure. So it's, it's for sure. Like, uh, you've got to be extra mindful of that. And sadly, loneliness has just increased, um, since 2020, it was a problem. Uh, in, tw- in 2016, they were really talking about the epidemic of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just gotten much worse. And so you do have to be mindful of that. Um, it's just kind of, it's one of those situations where hybrid work, it like makes the most sense. Um, and it seems easy, but when you start peeling it back, uh, you're like, gosh, this is really complicated. Uh, and is it, is it worth all the contingencies that we have to put in place to, to support everybody. You mentioned there's always, Oh, sorry. There's always, well, as I said, there's the fear. It's like, well, there's fear on both sides. Leaving people fully remote is probably the wrong decision. If they're not the right people for remote forcing everybody back in the office, you're like, what if we have a whole bunch of people that quit? It's like, yeah, that's, that's something you're going to have to figure out how to navigate that. So it's, like all things, it's not a quick decision. It doesn't need to be an all or nothing, but it needs to be something you intentionally transition back into the most healthy way of doing it as 
as soon as you can. I saw a photo you posted on Twitter a while back. I mean, it was, a, I think, a couple of years back of maybe 12, 10 or 12 people meeting up in, in uh, yeah. uh, here in, or in Brentwood or somewhere around Nashville. Um, do you, uh, and I'm, I would assume that your leadership team, um, or as an assumption here, but like, so you say you have 30 people, do you bring them together? Like, have they all met each other in person? Yeah, yeah no, that was uh, just a group of employees from like three area, three States that decided to drive in um, oh, okay. and see us. Uh, and uh, actually our key leaders weren't even there um for that photo um no uh 90% of our team have never met um each other everyone in person before oh, wow. um and we've never had an all team get together where everyone's together we just it's never happened and not because we don't want to uh, we'd love to it's just when you hire people that are really committed and excited about remote work and they have families and everything it's just logistically really challenging to pull that off and yeah. so um, and that goes to another expectation that I think people are getting wrong with remote work is um, the the mindset um, that you have to have as a leader for remote work is that you allow people to prioritize their personal lives before their professional lives. Mm. Um, that means what they need to do for themselves is more important than what they need to do for you, their boss. Yeah. And if you're in an interview with any Fortune 500 company and you wrap up the interview and you say, okay, well, um, if you hire me, I just want to get one thing straight. It's like, you're okay with me prioritizing myself over the company's needs, right? And they're going to just look at you like, what did he just say? Like, <laughs> did, did he say that right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, you work for us. We own you between eight and five. Uh, we don't care what you do outside of that, but we own you between those other hours. And that's uh, an unrealistic expectation for remote work. And unless you're willing to adopt the mentality that, no, we, they, it's, we're, <laughs> it's a blessing to us as the employer that they're giving us their time and they're getting their work done. And so instead of managing their activity, you manage their output. Um, so you, you need to be okay that as long as they get done what you ask them to do, yeah. then you guys are in good shape. Um, it doesn't matter how many hours they worked. It doesn't matter where they did it from. Um, if you're not happy with their output, then you need to manage them better. It's your fault as the leader. Right. Um, you, need, you need to change your expectations for them. And uh, most leaders that I talk to that are scared of or don't get or don't want to go to remote work, they have that mentality totally backwards where they're like, well, I need to know that they're sitting at their desk at home between eight and five and not walking their dog. Right. Right. <laughs> Working with the camera on. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I totally get I, it. I allow them a five minute bus pickup, but right. they better get back from the bus stop quickly. It's like, right. No man, you got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And, and I think that is the right way to go, especially yeah, in the, in the remote world. Um, all right. We're going to move to lightning round. Cause I want to be respectful of your time here. So complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish. Mm, wow. I've got to say last. What is a nice book you recommend for the nice makers listening? I, gosh, that is great. And by the way, I finished it as last because that's what everybody says. <laughs> um, 
But I think it probably is last because they've prioritized their lives and their goals very differently. So winning, winning for the nice guy and the nice gal looks totally different than what the world understands. Yeah, I like it. Um, You know, I, um, great book, uh, Faith Driven Entrepreneur book by um, Henry Kastner and Chip Ingram has been one that I've gone through recently. I've been involved in their platform and. Um, it's a good one. If you had a billboard, what would it say? Mm, perks are about people. What? Sorry, say that again. Perks are about people. I love it. And this is our Abenity slogan. Love it. And how is Brian nice to himself? Oh man, I have. Um, I think that comes. I think that hits the coffee roasting. It's, uh, these little introverted moments that I give myself to tinker. Um, I'm a trumpet player. I've been um, forcing myself to practice a little bit every day just to kind of keep it in shape. And um, uh, so I do kind of these introverted little hobbies in between uh, loving family time and letting the kids have as much of my attention as I can possibly give them. And flying drones? Flying drones. I... (laughs) I love flying my drone. I have not flown it in a while, but it's on my list of things. The uh, I, It, it kind of had an encounter with uh, a saltwater wave, and um, oh. I, it's it's back in business. I got a new one, but I've been a little gun shy ever since then. <laughs> have you seen uh, – did you see the footage? Uh, there is an uh, – I spent some time in Iceland uh, a few years ago and fell in love with it. Um, there is an Icelandic photographer, drone operator who did a video – he, he's on Instagram. His stuff's incredible. Cause I mean, first of all, Iceland's just gorgeous and it's especially gorgeous from above. Um, but he oh, did yeah. one where he went like right to the volcano as it was erupting. Wow. It was just, that's like, cool. Talk about like risking, <laughs> risking everything with your drone in that scenario. No joke. You know, like, yeah. Lava spurting out. Um, wow. Yeah. Cool. Pretty cool. Pretty I'll cool. Check it out. How are you doing on time? I'm fine. Okay. Just want to make sure. Um, you're based in Scottsdale. You said, right? I live in Scottsdale. The company's based in Tennessee in the the Nashville area. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you know uh, Pam Slim? I don't. Okay. You need to check her out. She's in um, Mesa. Uh, okay. or Mesa. Um, she, yeah, Mesa. Yeah. Because you're in, I know you're into a lot of social, uh, impact driven, uh, you know, social causes and things. She does a lot of great work. Um, and she's got a center, uh, right on the main street there where, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, uh, who are just getting started can, can work from. And she's got a, she's doing, uh, happy to, interesting. she's on my podcast. She's on another episode, but, uh, but Pam, Pam Slam is her name. She's great. I'm happy to connect you guys. Yeah, I'd love an intro. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, uh, it has been such a pleasure uh, getting to know you and chatting with you on the show. Uh, I do really appreciate your time. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dave. How can folks get a hold of you and learn more? I think the best way right now, brianroland.com has my uh, some of my work on it. Um, we've got the rules of engagement for fully remote teams you can download as a PDF uh, from there. We've also um, got uh, just kind of how to start a social business um, steps on there, which you can, I have my impact plan, which is downloadable there. 
uh, as well as my interview scorecard, which really walks you through how to uh, pick remote workers based off that disc profile that we touched on briefly earlier. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. Well, I will uh, make sure to include links to everything in the show notes. So thanks again for joining me. Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I would love to include your voice on the show. If you have comments or questions regarding this episode or any episode, whether you might have some nice communications tips of your own, visit friend.nicepodcast.co. There, you can record an audio comment, and I expect you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. Theme song is Little Jane May, and the end song is Funny Feeling by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. And we'll see you next time. Be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.